What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Hope you've had a fantastic week thus far, uh, starting off this long and uh, innocuous international break once again. We're back. International break. Every Evertonian's least favorite time of year, this season at least. Last season, it might have been a sweet uh, sweet break, but not so much this season. They seem to come at the worst possible time for us. Um, although you can make a different case for this international break because of the injuries, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's a week and a half, and we're just gonna have to to grit and bear it. Yeah, honestly, hit the nail on the head right there because uh, it was it was literally like a mental break last year, and this year it's kind of disappointing. Although, as you said, we might be we might be kind of lucking out with with the you know coming off the Chelsea match and and a couple of those horrid tackles. So Sigurdsson and Gomez. They were both um, called out of their international squads for injury, and that is Iceland and Portugal, um, respectively. But um, we've got actually a really good amount of, of players on international duty this this time around, which is really good to see, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's good to see these players. Some of them have been regulars for their for their team for a while, but then you have the likes of like Michael Keane, who is finally returning, finally got his call back up to the England squad where he rightfully belongs, frankly. Um, and you've also got like Idrissa Ghanagay, Luca Dean. So those players are, are cementing themselves in their national squad and they've certainly made their impression at Everton so far this season. Right, exactly. So to go down the list and, and we're going we're gonna to be as concise as possible. So Michael Keane and Jordan Pickford um, linked up with England, which was, as you said, fantastic for Michael Keane. Lucas Dinier joined uh, France, although this time around, uh, Kurt Zuma did not. We had Cenk Tosin uh, joins Turkey. Seamus Coleman went with Ireland. James McCarthy, however, did not, thankfully. Uh, was not called up uh, by Martin O'Neill. It's only a matter of time, though, right? <laughs> remember remember uh, those those press conferences between... Uh, Komen and the Republic of Ireland. That was oh yeah, that, that was, was a, something. An excellent feud. An excellent feud. Uh, <laughs> it was just ongoing. It felt like it was never going to end. They were just constantly talking poor about each other's medical staff and, and looking after the players. It was crazy. What a battle! Um, yeah. yeah. So next up, Ghana went with Senegal, which you know is is generally um, you know he's generally a starter for for Senegal. Nias was not included. Unfortunately, but not surprisingly, Richarlison once again got his call up for Brazil, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's the longer he stays in the Brazil squad. And it's funny because now Neymar is sort of talking him up. You see in all these press conferences talking about how he's trying to mentor him and show him. I don't know. Obviously, the quality of football, that footballer that Neymar is. Richarlison can certainly learn a lot from him, but there's certain aspects of Neymar's game that I wouldn't necessarily want Richarlison to, <laughs> to take on. Uh, right. Though he may have done some of that already. Well, yeah, that's true. But funny thing enough, you know, speaking of those, those press conferences, Neymar said to the media this week, uh, it might've been today that his, his uh, 
kids are already asking him to do the Richarlison pigeon dance. I did see that. Which yeah, is that's awesome. Really funny. Yeah. So it's, it's really good to see. And it's, and it's just a testament to how, you know, the squad has improved and, and getting a really top young Brazilian player in the Brazil squad. Like that is, that is, you know, peak football right there. And then <clears throat> we also had um, Tom Davies, Calvert-Lewin, Lookman and Dowell all called out for the English U21 team. I know, um, I believe they played today. Davies started, uh, Calvert-Lewin and Dowell were on the bench and Lookman did not make the squad, which is super interesting or the 18, excuse me. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't see exactly who was in the squad, but I don't think it's any kind of punishment or, you know, saying he's not good enough. Obviously he's one of their mainstays and the, the, one of the focal points for the future of England, hopefully, uh, and all those young players that we have coming through our academy and now making their way into the first team, hopefully can can kick on and continue through their careers and make their way to the senior England squad as well. That's true. So <clears throat> I'd also like to include a list of our, our lone players that are out on international break. <laughs> <laughs> Met with, with a nice chuckle. Um, most of these y'all will probably sigh, but... That's okay. So, um, unfortunately, Anthony Robinson suffered an, a sprained ankle, and so he had to uh, withdraw from the United States squad. Ashley Williams is called up for Wales, per usual. Um, although I've heard and seen that it seems like he's been a dumpster fire for Stoke this season in the in the championship. Unsurprisingly, right? It well, you know. Ashley Williams, when he came to Everton the first season, um, I was stoked about I was stoked about the signing, no and he killed it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I was stoked. There you go. Um, that's yeah, that's it, funny. I had no idea I did that. And he had a really good first season for us, and looked yes, strong. He did. But he he dropped off an absolute cliff, and it was readily apparent to anyone who watched Everton that he was and look at the resurgence of Michael Keane this season when he doesn't have uh, Ashley Williams alongside him it's it's night and day uh was it Ashley Williams or was it a foot infection that almost caused his you know his his foot to be chopped off James let's be fair here you could make a case for either one you could make it for (laughs) both I'm gonna say it's probably a combination of the two but maybe he was the infection yeah, exactly. Michael Keane was dealing with two infections last season, Ashley Williams and his foot. <laughs> and that's really hard for any player to overcome, frankly. So That's true. So moving on, Yannick Balassi was called up for the De- De- Democratic Republic of Congo. I see he's been, he's he hasn't seemed to have nailed a starting um, spot with Aston Villa yet. But, you know, I... I look back and it's crazy to think that we spent over 20 million pounds for Yannick Balassi. And yeah, he, he linked up with Lukaku so well when he came, although, you know, as we, as we all know, inconsistent. And then you, you, you look at the wingers we have available to us now and you just kind of want to like wonder if you were insane to think in the first place that that was acceptable. It's really crazy. You can say that about a lot of different aspects of our performance over the last couple of seasons. Um, to be fair, I don't think, I think Yannick Balassi lost a lot due to his injury, that horrific, it was his ACL or Achilles. Um, right. Regardless, 
he was never the same player when he came back a year, year on the sidelines doesn't help anybody. And hopefully, you know, if he doesn't make a permanent move to Aston Villa in the summer, then someone else will take him, but there's no chance that he comes back to Everton. And I think a lot of our loan, older loan players, at least obviously Ashley, Ashley Williams is out of contract at the end of the season. So he'll go on to different pastures, probably not greener, but he'll find somewhere else to go. Whoever will take him and, and, it'll just be nice to get rid of more of that dead weight. That's very true. So this, this might be a, this player might be a controversial topic when it comes to dead weight, but Muhammad Besic was called up for Bosnia and Herzegovina, Herzegovina. (laughs) Herzegovina. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That, um, and you know, if you asked me like four years ago, he was one of my favorite players. Just, I always felt that he had the Evertonian attitude, you know, get out there, try your best, put in a hard tackle emphasis on hard. Um, and yet he just never seemed to be able to make it happen. Yeah. I remember he was in Bosnia squad for the 2014 world cup. Yep. And their coach said that he was like their only player that would be able to mark Lionel Messi And I remember hearing that and being like, hmm, maybe this guy's something special. I don't think his level is quite at the Premier League. I think the championship is a good fit for him. And he's at Middlesbrough, right? So I think that is probably a good level for him. And they seem to really like him there. Good player, works really hard, but he doesn't have the quality to be at the the Premier League level and certainly not the level that we're striving to reach. Right. You just hope that, you know, over the next couple of years, he can just stay fit and stay healthy. And, um, you know, maybe he can make the climb, you know, he, he can definitely play, uh, for, I would say a lower mid table team in the premier league, surely not for Everton, as you said. Um, but moving on to another lone player, actually Nikola Vlasic was called up by Croatia, which is huge. He's been playing fantastic for, um, CSKA. Recently, I think he got player of the month for the second month in a row now. Yeah, he's lighting it up. And a lot of Evertonians have sort of used that evidence to say that Marco Silva was and Marcel Brands were wrong to send him away. I think it was a smart move to get him on loan because I just don't think that there was a chance that he would break into the first team. As he moves forward, he's still a very young player. I think there's a place in his squad should place in this squad for him as it stands uh, if he continues to develop. But, and I've said this before to others, take the performance in the Russian league with a grain of salt because Umar Nias was the player of the year in the (laughs) Russian league. And look how that, you know, we know what type of player he is. So the Russian league, you can't really judge those types of performances and that, that doesn't carry over to a Premier league level. Although, you know, again, still young, Croatia is a great national team, and I think the experience will do him well. If we haven't burned the bridges with him and his family and he still wants to come back to Everton, I'd welcome him with open arms because I think if he is playing in that number 10 role, it'll be hard for him to break through over Sigurdsson. But from what we've seen from Kieran Dowell, obviously in in training, Marco Silva's seen more from him because he chose to keep Kieran Dowell and send Vlasic on loan. But, I mean... What we, I mean, he scored a goal against Real Madrid. Again, take that with a grain of salt. It was kind of on a, on the break. It wasn't exactly a masterclass. But I still hold out hope that he can come back 
whether he's soured on the club is another question, but we'll that will reveal itself in due it time. Will indeed, I think I think you made uh, fantastic points all around there. And then lastly, um, and my personal favorite of our on, on loan players is Henry Onyekuru, was called up for Nigeria, thankfully. And, you know, this is one step closer towards his visa that he needs to join the boys in blue. Yeah, I think you've got Evertonians everywhere sort of like scouring the internet for the fine print on what the work permit requirements are and what he needs to do. It's something like 75% of your country's competitive matches over the course of two years or something like that. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, we're just like, you know, tallying up the the points until we can get him a work permit because it's still a kind of a mystery whether or not we'll ever see him in blue. He looks the real deal from what we've seen at Galatasaray. Again, Turkish League doesn't necessarily translate, but he's very young, a lot of potential. He was sought after by a lot of really big clubs and we've managed to get him. So hopefully it, it will pan out and we'll actually see him because that again the striker is a position where we're certainly looking to strengthen as we move forward in this yeah, project I agree and you know he can play on the wing too so he brings that versatility that you know Marco Silva likes so much specifically with Richarlison you know so we'll see how that pans out but I really have my fingers crossed that you know he will he will get it sorted and and be able to join us because I think he's going to turn out to be a really really good player and, you know, everyone likes a, a speedster, so. But moving on. So England played the United States at Wembley today. Michael Keane and, and Jordan Pickford started for England. And the result was 3-0 to England, unfortunately. Yeah, I I didn't catch much of the game. It was a big, there was a big hullabaloo regarding Wayne Rooney making uh, his swan song return to the england side uh, i believe his 120th Correct. cap uh so a big achievement one of probably go down as top five if not the greatest england player ever with record goal scorer record manchester united goal scorer all the records he holds he's won everything enormous enormously successful career and i wish him all the best as he's continues his career in the mls he might not need it honestly he because he's still been killing it so far yeah yeah just bossing the mls you can tell that and a lot of people have said this but at he still had a lot to give at the premier league level i just don't think that there was any other club that he would would have played for besides everton and manchester united so he's not going to drop down and play for like a watford um that's just not something that he was interested in doing. And so the MLS is the next best move. It's a good move for his publicity. I'd imagine in Washington, DC, he can walk around relatively inconspicuously compared to when he's in England, for sure. Um, He's certainly a household name worldwide, but the average person in the U S probably wouldn't be able to pick Wayne Rooney out of a, out of a crowd. Um, And hopefully he's happy over here. He seems to be speaking highly about, his experience so far and um, kind of pivoting over to Michael Keane. Great to see him back in the squad. Jordan Pickford, there was that, the tweets going around how he had the U, all the U S <laughs> players and the directions that they like to go on penalties written That's on his, his signature. Pretty clever on his part. And it, yeah. So, I mean, he'll be the England number one for the foreseeable future until someone either he loses the spot 
Uh, and I think Michael Keane can really assert himself and insert himself into the conversation as England's mainstay center back based off solely off of his form this season, which has been sensational. I think he's our best center back on purely on form so far this season. Hasn't had a single bad game, been incredible. And it's completely just absolutely is. I was ecstatic to see Michael Keane there. Um, <clears throat> obviously, fantastic to see Pickford there. So two Everton players in the starting England lineup. Uh, ideally, we'd like to see a couple more. But nonetheless, I'll take it. Uh, Rooney, as you said, you know, I think that he is enjoying life in D.C. I'm pretty sure he's mentioned to the press that he likes the fact that he can go out with his kids and, and you know, people are going to recognize him, but not to the extent where he, you know, he doesn't have five minutes in peace. Um, I'd really love to go see him play, and I plan to do that next season. That's for sure. Now, one one interesting thing that he said to the press, I think this week, which was kind of sad, was that he felt throughout his England career, the squad that he played with, or the squads, um, underperformed. You know, and I know that it seems to be a general sentiment, like, you know, with um, the English people, like, I remember specifically about the World Cup and, and talking to Jezza, like people were not really paying attention until England made it to the knockout rounds because they're just used to being let down and, and underperforming like that. Yeah, I don't want to speak for all Englishmen, but it based on purely on the stature of the Premier League worldwide and the amount of English players that play in the Premier League and therefore play in the England national team, you would think that that would carry over uh, to some national success, but it just hasn't for them over the last few years. And then Gareth Southgate comes in, picks a younger side for this World Cup, and um, they really overachieved based on all the expectations. Um, and I think what Ray Rooney said was fair. I think on paper, the England squads underperformed. I don't think that's even remotely debatable. I think it's just a kind of a fact. Um, which is too bad to let down the, the great era of players, especially Wayne Rooney that came through. But, you know, it's it's all over now. And I don't know how many more years Wayne Rooney wants to play, but he could probably play at least four more years that's in the a, MLS. That's a big ask, my more. man. I, like true. I said, I don't think that he necessarily will want to play that long. But And as long as, long as his legs don't completely collapse – um, he's always going to be a hard worker. He's always going to, he's going to have more quality on the ball than 99% of the league, just from the type of player that he is. And that doesn't diminish his legs might fade, but his sh- shooting ability, his passing ability, his vision, his intelligence in the game is never going to go away. So he can play as long as he wants. Uh, you mean you look at like Tim Cahill, even though he's playing in some, I don't know where in India somewhere, still banging him in uh, those types of players. If they want to play, if they, yeah, if they want to play, they can find someone who will take them. And Wayne Rooney being the gargantuan world celebrity that he is could hop around and he'll, he'll never not have a team, but I don't think that's something that he's actually interested in. I think when the time comes, he'll know when I'll be the first to admit, I still, I still kind of miss watching him walk out onto the pitch because last season, I mean, it was fun to watch. He was our top scorer, uh, which, you know, is, is just a testament to how poor we were, but. You know, it, it sucks, but it, it just, that's how, that's how it works sometimes. And, you know, I'm glad that it's working out for him in DC. Now, speaking of last season, 
there was a fantastic um, table posted by EFC Stato. They do, uh, yeah, on Twitter, EFC Stato. Um, and they, they do fantastic um, statistic statistical analysis on the league, Everton specifically. So they have a table here, and it compares goals, shots, and shots on target per game from last season to this season. And it gives you a difference. So goals per game last season to this season for Everton, um, we were at 1.2 per game, and now we're at 1.6 on average. Um, And we're posting the third best difference um, in the league. And that and that's really a testament to, you know, how many chances we're creating and stuff like that. Because you look at it, James, and you think, well, we watch them every single week, and we see, you know, Theo Walcott, you know, fluff a couple shots, or uh, Bernard has had some pretty bad attempts as well. And so you just wonder how that number is going to look at the end of the season when, you know, maybe we're a little a bit more clinical. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway and just to kind of gloss over the other two, which were shots per game, and it does rank the whole the whole league. So we're third in improvement on goals per game. We're first in improvement in shots per game. We've, we're averaging 3.9 uh, more shots per game this season. And then we're tied for first with Manchester United for shots on target per game with an increase of 1.3 from last season. And it's really just kind of quantifying <clears throat> what we've all seen so far this season and that we're a much, much better team overall, uh, especially getting the ball forward and attacking and, and putting shots on target. Uh, that is a very obvious statement, but it's nice to see the stats sort of reinforce that. Uh, and there are some other ones today that mm, show yes. overall pressing rate uh, between teams in the league and, and Everton are right up there too. And so it just further shows what an amazing improvement it's been in such a short span of time. And given if you take out, take this data and, you know, forecast it for the next season and a half, that is true. You know, who knows where we'll be then, uh, assuming we continue to make the improvements, uh, improve signings and, and improve the squad overall. And as the players become more familiar and develop better chemistry. And like you said, more clinical because we have been missing a lot of shots. And even though that's part of the game, um, there's certainly so much more room to improve, which I think is also very Um, to your point of, you know, pressing rates. um, Everton are third in the league for collective ground covered in matches. And so if you take these two pieces of information and put them together, you get exactly what Marco Silva's Everton was, was expected to look right or look like you're seeing um, a high press, very hardworking players. And that proves to me that, the players are buying into how he wants to play and how he believes in playing, right? And then you pair it with, you know, goals and shots and shots on target per game. And you say, okay, not only are we working hard, we are creating chances. Um, Arguably, we're taking chances. And so you see that, you see how many additions we made to the squad, right? I think the number, we we play with like five new players this season um, in general, right? When we're talking about our starting lineup. So... It's it's a huge improvement and it's it's just fantastic. Like leaves me with this nice warm and fuzzy feeling when I think about it. I could talk about it all day, but uh, James, are you ready for the heavy hitter of the episode? 
I'm so ready because this is like all right my passion. I'm ready. For so this. bring it on. It is official. The Premier League has voted to enact or use VAR video assisted refereeing, right? Um, or video assisted review, right? Refereeing. Either way, VAR, as we all know, will be used in the Premier League next season. So, James, how does that make you feel? Well, it's readily apparent that they heard my plea on the (laughs) last podcast to bring it in. Uh, They heard me, and they heard my argument, and they said, you know what, James? You're absolutely right. It's high time (laughs) we have VAR in the Premier League. And I couldn't be happier. There's been, it's frustrating. It's confusing for me to see the, the amount of people that are opposed to it. Uh, I guess it's because it's almost unfamiliar to uh, England and I guess Europe as a whole, the concept of video review in sport. Um, and I think it's fair to say that it doesn't really lend itself to soccer as well, football, because of the continuously flowing nature of the game. At the same time, as an American, from an American's perspective, we've had it in all our major sports for some time now. Uh, I guess baseball has been the most recent, but for football and basketball, it's become part of the game. And it's there are certainly kinks that will need to be worked out when it's being implemented. But the only way to figure those out is to implement it and troubleshoot from there. And over time, it will improve. It's not going to be perfect at first. There's going to be some growing pains and there's going to be some con- still going to be controversial decisions. But you also have the objective decisions such as, you know, a free kick is going to be subjective, but things like offside are not. And so you're not going to have to worry about a player, for example, in the Arsenal goal earlier this season where he was clearly offside. And yet in last season, those types of calls are not going to affect the outcome of games. So you'll still have some of the debate because even if there's a review on say a foul, yellow card, red card, that will be debated because a ref could look, 10 refs could look at that and have 50, 50 either way, whether it's a card or not, but the offside is a very straightforward rule. And those types of calls are ones that can be eliminated first. And yeah, I agree. And see that and improve it. Here's my, my argument actually, I've never mentioned this to you before, but it was actually in 2015 in which I wrote like a seven page paper on VAR being implemented in international soccer. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. It was in my, it was in my last English class in college. Um, and actually was able to have a, a nice conversation with our, with our adjunct professor who had no knowledge of any sports whatsoever, but she found it pretty interesting. Point is, my argument when it comes to, you know, the free flowing nature of the game, right? You're talking about scoring a goal. Okay, well, that's nice. The game is not progressing at the moment. The team is celebrating, right? So jog on over and make sure you're good to go, right? In football, they review, in American football, they review all scoring plays. When you're talking about that Jorginho tackle on Sigurdsson in which he could have literally, you know, taken off his ankle or his foot, Michael Keane style, um, you know, the the game was not free flowing. The game was stopped, and Sigurdsson had to get some treatment. So that's when he, you know, he jogs his, you know, jogs over in his little referee shorts, and he he checks he checks far, and 
you know, I, I just sit here and I think how many points would we have saved or how many points would have been saved for Everton this season if we had it this season? And, you know, I'll close this piece with there was a reason why no Premier League referees were invited to the World Cup. Yeah, because they need technology to do their job. Jeez. But it's like the game happens so fast and we've we've talked about this. Just give them another look at it in slow motion. And then you can and it's sometimes when you break things down in slow motion, they may look worse than they did in real time. And that's where we still don't know exactly what's going to be subject to review under the new VAR rules. It could be just like, you know, offsides and we have goal line technology already, but maybe out of bounds and things like that and not necessarily cards or plays that are subjective. It'll be interesting to see as that develops and what they determine will be able to be reviewed. But again, it's the start of a process. It's not going to be they implement it and it's the law and it never changes. You see changes being made every year to what can be reviewed in say football, uh, American football. And there's a debate whether it's improved it or not, but they get more calls right. And that's the bottom line. And I think that that's the most important thing is that you don't have people, teams losing points. And some teams, you know, if you think about um, Southampton, if they end up going down because of the blown refereeing decision, they go down by two points that they dropped last weekend. Then that referee and the lack of VAR cost them relegation. And that's a huge, huge thing. And that shouldn't be something that is just missed or completely you know, the referees drop the ball and then a team loses out on millions of millions of pounds. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I guess it's my American perspective, yeah, but agree. it can only All be a positive points. in my opinion. We really appreciate everyone tuning in <clears throat> as always. Please have a fantastic rest of your week. Um, look forward to another episode Sunday evening, depending on, I guess, uh, your time zone. And lastly, just a small bit real quick. Um, we're, we're really trying to continue to improve the podcast and we really appreciate all y'all listening every single episode. If you have suggestions or like want to give us feedback, it doesn't matter. Like roast us if you need to send us an email at American toffee at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, um, or on Reddit because we are like dying for your feedback. We really, really want to continue to improve every single episode. So let us know and have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on, you blues.